Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, and invite you to look Paul behind Bass. the headlines. I can't hear. Look no, behind, no, like, behind the headlines of the stories better. that make New Haven tick. And good morning to ooh, I have the wrong list here. To the pundits. <laughs> the best pundits <laughs> like, in the media. Who's on the radio? No long introductions today, guys. It's the last edition of 2017. Of the pundits panel of WNHH Community Radio. What a great year it's been. Not everything's been great in it, but we've been having a great time. And we're going to run down the stories, both of the week and of the whole year. We got in the um, studio today the belle of our ball, the goddess of our radio operation, inner city managing editor, and host of Love Babs, Love Talk at WNHH, Babs Ross <laughs> Ivy. We got Marquisha Ricks. Don't know what just flyest, happened. <laughs> hunter ga- news hunter gatherer this side of Fleet Street. Even though I'm officially looking crazy, so I'm glad. The- we got uh, Noah Rodriguez <laughs> Reyes, the publisher of Spana. Hola. And the um, guy who has a lot of titles I don't have right here. I apologize. You'll get That's it back okay. in 2018. Joe Ugly and I- Harry Trump, the heavy D Donald Trump. Oh, WNH Day. So thanks, everybody. You know, we'll get a little hour to the top Very stories tax of the year. reform droves. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're calling him Feed the Rich Harry. Oh! oh. Do they have a mug for that yet? Yeah. Instead of the liberal tears. <laughs> Actually, I do want to get to this police video right away, but I want to play Harry Joe's Devil's Advocate for a minute. So we had a story this week. They just passed tax reform. Donald Trump signed it this morning, Friday. It's the biggest tax overhaul in generations. And there are a lot of reasons liberal hated, a lot of reasons very, very wealthy conservatives love it. But there was an interesting local story that made me step back and say, let's not just assume everything in is bad. So 1,760 homeowners, 1,760 in New Haven, mm-hmm. pay more than $10,000 a year in property taxes. Under the new tax reform plan, you cannot deduct any taxes above 10000 Now, all along, even though I disagree with a lot in the tax reform plan, I've always thought this was a good idea because I think that's wealthier people especially if it had been a tax reform plan that didn't just feed the wealthy in other ways. Basically, they're punishing blue states because real estate prices are higher there, so the same house costs more on the coast where people vote for Democrats than the center of the country. And I'm not sure that's bad. I think real estate bubbles have driven inequality. I think blue, you know, red states won the election. They're allowed to benefit in some ways, you know, the working class. And what was interesting about this, I wrote a headline at first that said, tax plan will hit 1,760 taxpayers, homeowners. And then a Trump fan who's very intelligent, one of our commenters, wrote in and said, that doesn't mean it's going to hit them because you have a choice when you do your taxes. You can itemize deductions, in which case you claim the uh, benefit up to $10,000. And a lot of, they're going to be doubling the exemption, the, the, the amount that you can exempt to get an automatic so that a lot more people will not be. So as it is, not everyone who, is, who pays more than $10,000 a year is going to itemize deductions anyway. And now a lot fewer people will itemize deductions. So that's a second reason I don't think this is so terrible. And, um, and I just think in terms of, you know, there are a lot of things I think they're unjust the way this benefits the rich. But I think this is one case where I wish they had gone stronger instead of giving it to the lobbies for cracking down on second homes and things like that. Because a lot of the liberal base is wealthy on the coast in the real estate industry and the finance industry. Now, they gave a big, big, big benefit to hedge fund people when they say they're going to have to pay less taxes than anyone who is not a traditional employee, but considers themselves a corporation. And that, you know, that's screwed up. But what do you think? I think that maybe we jump. The big picture is important, but there's not, anytime you're going to fix a tax code or change it, not everything they're doing is wrong. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? I'm not wealthy enough to be a part of this discussion. Well, that's the other point. That's the other point. So in New Haven, very most of us do not pay $10,000 a year in property taxes. So it doesn't affect us. Okay. Uh, this sounds great if we're going to be selfish about this once again. Uh, <laughs> if we're just going to look at it's going <laughs> to, it's not going to affect us. So let's not worry about it. It's not that bad. Uh, no, no. Mean, if, if it affects us like cuts to the poor, that's bad. If it's rich people not being able to deduct some of their taxes, I don't know that that's bad. Okay. Once again, that's a choice situation compared to how many people are going to lose. Can. Can. I mean, this time around, we had 8.8 million people who signed up for health care. Does not mean that that's going to happen next year. As they continue, they discover the individual mandate. Exactly, as the individual mandate. So that might not, this year, along with, you know, because we have that, that, let's not say that it's not going to affect 
13 million people off their health care. Mm-hmm. Does or, not mean that this... Or that the way inequality is going to get so exactly. much wider. Yeah. You, when you got someone who is the average person that's seven hundred, uh, what's it like seven hundred dollars uh, extra compared to anyone who can write off that ten thousand you're talking about is killing me seventy thousand uh, over time. I, 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 I know they know I am. And, sh- and charities, charities are also worried about uh, you know giving. Exactly, but I'm not sure so that's when, all wrong either. But it's terrible. Also, when you're gonna give back to companies, when you give corporations all this money back to corporations, corporations now are sitting with a lot of liquid. And there's no historical what precedent they that they're gonna invest it. They're gonna no, keep it for not get, no, no. But also, you like you if you're do. wealthy, don't you just back. get a good tax attorney and find the loophole? That's true. <laughs> but the other thing is that, or you declare yourself a corporation and your house is owned by the corporation, you know so it doesn't matter. You know what's weird about this? The Republicans, until they're in power, always complain about deficits. Right. Yes. Now the, the deficit hawks, by all accounts, this increases the deficit one point trillion dollars. You know what they could? They could have cut the corporate tax rate a lot, and a lot mm-hmm. of liberals agreed with cutting the corporate tax rate. The rest of the world has done that, but they cut it extra to twenty one percent. If they right. just gone to twenty five percent, you wouldn't have had this huge deficit and having to cut aid to the poor in the future budgets. That's when what I your, didn't quite get. When, when your ransom note comes from the Koch brothers, you got to pay for it. That's, That's ransom note. To, you know. Uh, <laughs> speaking of but, speaking of ransom notes. Yes. Okay. So there's a new video up on the New Haven Independent. Yes. It's, from, it's from a body camera video. The, the police department has just started wearing body cameras. Mm-hmm. And the idea of body cameras was we're going to get to see how the police do their jobs more and we'll find out if something's controversial, what they actually did, rather than getting the wrong idea. And so this is the first test of that. There was a, a, an a arrest of some guy who had been on a PCP, they believe, was in a store. He was resisting orders to like show ID and turn and face a wall. So the police tased him five times and then used pepper spray, chased him up on a counter, chased him behind, pinned him to the ground. They asked him to the hospital, and he got charged with disorderly conduct. Based on the written reports, it sounded like he was an out-of-control PCP guy. When you watch the video, they so they released the video. Oh, and people in the department were worried. They saw the video and were, or heard about it and were worried that the top brass was covering up poor police work. So they wanted this out. So we got the video. And now everyone's talking about the video. It's a very interesting set of events. Because what I love about this is it's a gray area. I think, you know, we think of body cams maybe showing when police are out of control or when a citizen's really losing it. And um, and by the way, body cams only show you what the police see. So this body cam doesn't show you what the cop looked like who was tasing him. But this is a gray area one. Because I would argue that these cops weren't setting out to beat down the guy. They didn't lose their cool the way that two other cops who lose their cool and have high positions have been promoted this year. And that's another subject. But so this was, we got to see how the police do their jobs. So my two questions to you folks are, what do you think from seeing the video in general about the way the police handled it? And is this an argument for why we did need police body cameras? And do you think they're working the way we want? Any thoughts? I do believe. Yes I do and yes. That body, yeah, body cam. Yes, yes. Definitely needed. Yeah. I'm fatigued. Absolutely. You know what it is? I'm no, just police fatigue. No, you see, I'm scared of that. I'm I am. Off, I'm, I'm, I'm America fatigued. I'm yeah. police fatigued. I am more I'm, afraid I'm of that everything that I'm afraid fatigued. Of the, that, that I'm afraid of getting shot right now. It's what, taste? When, or it's f- when people, no, get tired. When people get tired. When people oh. get tired of this is when it, it escalates. And that's I, I think it's all right to be, I think it's okay to be tired. I think what happens is. Well, we got to push through. That's right. Well, you got to be tired. You can be tired, but you have to figure out a way to sort of replenish yourself. Yeah. Because it's the end but, of the year. And I'm just like, we've had a whole year of. Police. No, a whole three, four years, yeah. actually. And this one's and more I complicated. Know, but this is where it gets This scared. one's more complicated. This, we've had some outrageous stuff by police this year that's been, that not only not investigated, but approved but by the top police But they weren't caught on camera. That that's what it boils down to, on body cam. Yeah, so what do you think, Markeisha, on this one? How do you think the police handled this? Um, She's fatigued. <laughs> I'm, I'm just fatigued from your party last night. kidding. Um, <laughs> Um, I think I thought what was really interesting. So if if you read the story, um, Paul has a a bit of an account from what the police said happened Mm -hmm. before you see the video. And when she watched the video. So I think one part of the narrative says that this gentleman was out of control. And you see him in the store. He is very calmly buying a lottery ticket, I think, for his mother. (laughs) Uh, And so when they ask him for his ID or does he have ID? He's like, yeah, I have ID. (laughs) And then he goes back to buying his lottery ticket. So he's not acting. So, you know, the narrative is usually when you hear about somebody like hyped up on drugs, that they're erratic, Mm -hmm. that they're, you know, maybe he might have been. And from what we understand, the things that you don't see is that apparently he was his behavior was quite erratic outside 
of the store um, at but some point. Like, the what's interesting is they knew that. So they knew they were dealing with a guy on drugs. So when he but, proceeded not to do everything they said, exactly. he was confused and he was trying to defend himself with this cardboard cutout so thing. But they like said they, that he got into a fighting stance. And if you watch that video, at no point does he but like, see, act like he's going to fight the police. What he's trying to do is keep the police from tasing him. But see, that, for me, this speaks to the, to the policing issue. And we see this across the country in these policing policing issues where the, the guy would be on the ground and be 50 cops and they'll Stop. keep screaming, Stop, Stop resisting. resisting. And I'm oh, thinking, man. I've no. had that yelled no. at me. And I'm like, like what? Well, he's not morning. resisting. Why are you saying that? That is code for we have to say something so that when we make our case or when we say right. whatever, we felt fearful or he was resisting and you right. can't see that. So we must say it. Yeah. Um, and so that's just like that's just them being preempted. You know what, Bebs? I think this was different. I think what you're describing happens all the time, and it's venal. The cops know they're doing dirty, and they're saying that. I, to I don't justify. even know if they. I don't even know if they think that they're doing dirty. I think it's so much a part of their culture that, that. that they do it just because this particular incident incident shows mm-hmm. it's so much a part of the culture yep. that they automatically think, well, this you're is what resistant. you say. Yep. You're resistant, or you're mm-hmm. behaving in a way that yeah. I have to behave right. in a, such a way back at you. And that wasn't the case. I'm just and wondering, if we everybody here saw the video, right? You, everybody saw, okay, saw so him. was he resisting? Does everybody? No. He didn't. He didn't. Did he follow command? Yeah, At one no, point, two but two separate things. Yeah, so they knew it was a guy in PCP who was confused, but he didn't resist. He didn't. He said they were trying to fight him. They said he was trying to fight him. He was standing back and holding up something not to be tased. He didn't obey the command, and they knew he was a guy who was freaked out on PCP. So what the police? Chi- so the police chief. Well, Harry, for one, they should lower their voices. Like yeah. they were just shouting at him from the beginning, and, and the you're po- like, the "Why are you yelling chief, at him?" The police chiefs actually disagree with Harry Droves. The assistant chiefs police who justify all sorts of terrible behavior say the cops handled this all wrong. They said mm-hmm. they didn't violate orders, so they don't need to be disciplined. But they said they didn't be retrained because you have someone who's not resist, who's not combative, who's not going after you, who's who's freaked out. Harry, they say that you got <laughs> to talk like, them I'm down not. rather than up. That everything they did escalated it, so it turned into a violent confrontation. There wasn't a need to turn into an arrest situation. Now, you deal with mentally ill people or people on drugs. You have to talk them down rather than ramp it up, and that's their idea. We Let me ask you a question: they How did they ideas, know he was on PCP? Because they got a report they saw. Him yeah, people had called street. earlier. That, they said that they saw him, out. or that he they was acting him. Exactly. They saw him. exactly. They saw him act, he act was running through correct. the street, yelling, "Call the cops! Call the cops!" And in the up. video, he he's right. talking to the cops, yelling, "Call the cops!" Oh, right. So you're he, like, "That's he not ran normal." Into cars right. and freaked out people and just yelled in their faces. And, but but, but another question. Uh, did, did that was two t- hours earlier. How do they know he was on PCP is what I want to know just because he did this. That could be mental issues. How do they know that? That's, what That's I a good know. point. That is a good, good point. Well, I, I want to go back to a That's different a point. point. So I need to understand from the police, the legal community, just because the police, like so a police officer asks you for your ID, do you have to give it to them? I'm not sure. Do you know, Babs, you are on the police commission? I don't I don't think you I don't think, I think you it's do. only a motor vehicle stop. No, I think if you want to go home, you give it to them. Well, but that's but that's violating that, but, your civil rights. But, though. See, but, but that's just and I get that's why people do it. Ways. Yeah, <laughs> I get why people do it because it's much easier to comply. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. ID here but is why did, why should well, that put you in an arrest situation? Well, but you you don't have to. Let me allows them to say, wait a minute, let's just make sure that we're. But they have to tell you what. Okay, okay but that, is. This, so this was a problem here in this video for me because he never the, the officer never says why they want his identification. They never say mm-hmm. to him, "We think you might fit the profile of somebody we're looking for." And I mean, they are. They were looking for that particular man anyway. But again, the thing they were looking for him for him for, he hadn't committed a crime. He hadn't like he hadn't abused anybody. He hadn't right. stolen anything so out of the Marquise, store. What you said is what the police chiefs say you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You explain what you're doing. You find every way not to have it escalate into a confrontation, especially someone who's on drugs or confused or mentally ill and that they did everything wrong and they think it's a training failure. So I actually think this video is a success. They shared it with us. They looked at it. They used it. I think this is unlike other incidents we've written about where the cops went down to beat somebody up and, mm-hmm. and you know, cover up the evidence. But here's what bugs me about de-escalation. You had two incidents in the last year of cops who escalated and have supervisory roles. You have a, a sergeant who turned a 7-7 misunderstanding with a reporter 65 years old into an arrest, taking a legally camera. You had a detective, or, or at the time a cop, who the own police department had found repeatedly lied under oath and turned in interactions with people who were not committing crimes 
into these trumped up arrests and lied statements and they promoted both of them and they, they didn't feel a need to discipline them or say anything was wrong about it. So they can do these press conferences all they want saying we do de-escalation training. They could say the right thing here, which is that we have to teach these officers how to de-escalate. But when you're promoting people and excusing gross cases of not just de-escalation, but illegal policing, thug behavior with a badge, mm -hmm. if you do that over and over, I don't see why you're going to have any credibility with the public. And those are good and points. You know, I mean, those are good. Points. I don't. I've got no argument for that. And that's right. why these cops didn't know what they were doing because this department has no clue how to treat human beings. They're called this great community policing department. They're great cops. They're good people. Most of them are here for good reasons. But the people in charge of the department have showed us over and over again this year that they refuse to take the slightest responsibility for cops they want to favor moving ahead when they abuse us. Markeisha this week was at a board of police commissioners meeting. They had this cop who was so bad. That when we wrote about him, he tried to go to Westport. And when people in Westport read about what he did, they rescinded. They were going to rescind making him a cop. And one of them, because they don't play in Westport. So I was talking to one of them on their town council. She's a former federal prosecutor. She said, look what he did in New Haven that cops himself said he did in internal affairs. We're not going to be credible in court if he arrests someone because he's a liar and he abuses people. So he says, oh, let right, hire me back in New Haven. So he says, sure, we'll take you back. And then they couldn't, it turned out, because he had already resigned. So they had to have a new vote on it. So they have a new vote, and this guy has never said to the public, I've learned from mistakes. He, he uses his right under the contract to speak privately to Board of Police Commissioners instead of doing it in public so he has to say about it, why he wants to come back. And then what the police chiefs and the commissioners say when they allow him back is, we had a problem of public perception about a great cop. In other words, the only problem was that people thought there's something wrong with a guy who goes to an African-American man sitting outside his car on a cold day, heating up the car and mistakenly think he has a crime and started harassing him and arresting him for no reason and lying about it, going outside another housing development where he picked up the guy for the wrong reason and got rid of his driver's license and lied about what he did, threatened to beat up a guy fishing on a bridge because he didn't like where he parked, and then steal the camera of a, of a citizen who was filming him losing his control with them, fake an arrest that it turns out there was no evidence for, gets dismissed, and we never get the camera back. That guy we took back and said the only problem is public perception of a cop. Let's that be happened very this clear. week. We didn't take him back. Let's be very clear. We the people of New Haven should not be feel should feel should not feel in any shape, form or fashion that we accept this kind of behavior. This was taken back by, like you said, the leadership. The police chief and the board and, of police commissioners. Right. And when did this happen? This week. This week. They took him back this week. They couldn't wait to take well, him back. They we, even broke their own rules and took him back. I mean, Chief said he, he, he told the chief of Westport that if y'all decide y'all don't want him, we'll take him back in a heartbeat. Well, that, I mean, So listen. when you tell me we're going to teach our officers how to de-escalate and give them more training. That's the first that guy I put the body cam listen. on. He has to get the camera immediately. That has to be the condition of his listen, rehire. I am, the camera on him and have no Immediately. Like, that should have been, like, part of the deal. You Because from what I understand, the detectives haven't been trained yet with the body camera. I need them What's to train the him first. What, what kind of training you need with the body camera? I think they have to know about when to turn it on and off and make sure you're doing it right. Like How convenient. Turn so there are probably some other things that I don't know. But when someone's a victim of domestic violence or there's little kids and mm -hmm. horrible stuff. I mean, there are some legitimate reasons. Yeah. We could blur. But what gets me is seeing the cops' body cams, I think, are a good idea, but they still only show you what the cop sees. I want to see what this Detective Conklin is doing when the person sees Detective. I wish I'd seen in this video. It was a good video and it worked right and the cops handled it right and I give kudos to the cops on how they ended this isolated incident even though they screwed up all the others. But I would want to... We still don't see what this guy saw. And our police department has a sickness where they take people's cameras illegally despite promises not to so that they can't be filmed and they don't get in any trouble because the top cops are too scared to, or don't care enough to discipline them time after time. So I still want to see, I would have wanted to see how this cop looked when he was dealing with the guy. It's Well, they did, as far as evidence is concerned, did they got surveillance from that store, that store, right? But I doubt they saw the cop head on. I could be wrong. But when you look at the video, the one who actually is controlling the scene is the one that has the camera on. The <laughs> other two yeah, are just basically following the command of the one that has the camera. And if all of them had cameras on, you would probably see the other cops because they'd all be kind of, I guess, at filming each other at certain points. Now, yeah. see, the, ho the whole camera issue, is that for absolutely every single person? It will be for every sworn officer, the including the, the chief. On, right? I'm sorry, say when, that again. When he went behind the counter, no, none of those cops had 
a camera on. Yeah, yeah, because right? that's how so you saw you him saw go them, over. You saw them behind the camera? Yeah. The yeah, or oh, yeah. Know. So when they're down on top of him, basically, that, that cop that still has the camera on is, is there as well. That's oh, why you can see what's happening. But he looked over, but he wasn't part of it. Oh, I don't know. He may have just looked over yeah, the counter. You're right. Over, but you don't see actually the confrontation. You just yeah. see the takedown. You know, that's and he is close enough at some point because you have one still where apparently it looks like it's a police officer's hand on this man's face holding his head to the ground. Yeah, so... But, you know, as, as I was looking at, at this video, I thought, my goodness, here it is, the inner city. And we're talking about minority cops doing this. If they are doing something like this, imagine what the other police officers that don't have cameras. Those are the cops that got promoted. Do. Those are white cops. They get promoted. If you're a white cop. And well, you're one, of, people, one of the cops, promoted. not like promoted last year, but the other one was not white. She's black. Who, no, no, I'm talking about Renee Dominguez, who is Renee I'm talking Forte. about Hellinger. Oh, her. I wasn't even thinking of her. Yeah, yeah she, she would yeah. be wearing a body camera now. So that incident that happened at Walmart, she would have had on. Well, they had that on uh, surveillance. They showed oh, he lo- she so. her. <laughs> and I guess, you know, when, when the talk around body cameras first started to um, come out, like the cops were like, we want to, you know, we want you to see things from our perspective. Because but what what always happens is they always say, particularly in court is what you see from a citizen's perspective is not everything that happens. So if there are all cameras involved, store camera, which is objective, the store camera doesn't care about anything about what's happening to the store. So it doesn't have a a viewpoint that you might want to ascribe to a citizen camera or a cop camera. So like all the cameras in the room, like I want to see everybody's footage. That would be nice. So if if everybody wants to say that there's some type of complete picture, I thought what was telling for me is that we all need cameras. I think what was telling for me was that the cop's description of what happened is not what I saw in the video. And again, I don't think they were lying. I I don't think they were lying either, but their perception is to protect themselves, which is probably what would be anybody's. That's the culture. This is my point. It doesn't matter if they beat somebody's butt or whatever. The culture is such that the first offense is to defend themselves is to put up that blue wall around themselves whether it's the truth or not whatever that's what they do so we can see it we readily see it when they beat somebody's behind and we don't like it but we also see it when it's this this moment here in this particular incident you see it too it's this it's all the same to me it's not isn't that difference it's the same you know it's this blue wall that goes up and it's the culture of the of, well, of you know, policing. Well, you know what's same and different is that this is the same Friday pundits <laughs> that you get every week you're listening to on WNHH Radio 13.5 FM live to New Haven org, where we're running down this week's stories and this year's stories, well, 2017. Can I just but we're always just different. So raw just now what what we were just talking about. And I just sitting here and it's just like it just make you cringe when you think of the the campaign of stop, you know, the, the, the anti stop snitching campaign. But it goes exactly to what you're saying. You get this stop snitching going on within the guys with uniforms and guns. And what what do you think you're sending back to the community if you're not going to say if you're not willing to tell about your peers? But you know what? This not- happened because a lot of rank and file cops, including cops who don't agree with the protesters, they're the ones who brought this to light, Joe. Absolute, but it, but that's not always. That's not a. I agree. Th- 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 that yeah. is not a norm. I'll let you. And I think it's important I, I, though for the department. Point, let's give them credit here. I think it's important for the department to cultivate police officers who are going to say the right, like who are going to do the right thing. Like let's right. give credit where credit is due. That there were officers who and wanted to make sure that this didn't get hidden, that it didn't get swept under the rug. And you got to cultivate that. I don't know who's responsible for cultivating that culture. I would hope that that culture cultivation would come from the top. Mm-hmm. But no, the cop is making excuses for cops who are out of control. Absolutely. So, like Except I said, I would case. hope it would come from the top. Yeah. But you know, I would hope the, that's the, where it should come if from. If we look but, at the conversation on the, where we started on this conversation, it was based upon someone who was so one person saw it was being wrong. Did I get that right? It was, you know, that it was being covered up. A lot of cops felt that. Okay. They, well, a lot got of around cop- the department. Yeah. Okay. There were those who saw that it was being covered up. Point being, it was being covered up, and that's the whole. Let's let's not snitch on our people. But there's a group. It's the same thing applying the neighborhood. There's a group that don't want to cover it up. Don't want to walk away and not, you know not tell about someone. Not, not telling something, you know, 
But how do they feel comfortable knowing what's going on on the other side? It's mm-hmm. a, it, it's so hard, and it, it it really makes me cringe because you know it, it makes me so uncomfortable because this is this is the world that we're living in where we're trying to work with trust, and you can't find it within the people we're supposed to trust on a on a broader scale. We're talking about a very small scale here. I strongly applaud these officers who said something. I know, but I think the cameras are really going to change that. And I hope, at least I'm I hoping hope in, that yeah. that so that the citizens of New Haven and just wherever other areas they have the cameras can begin now to trust the police force. Let's see how because, long it takes to release footage when the cops kill somebody. Because they're going to say it's under investigation. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have a good point that if we release it right away... When we mm-hmm. interview a witness, the witness's statement might be colored by what the witness sees on a vi- audio, but video. But will they use that as an excuse not to let us hold them accountable for too long? But I don't think that the police officers are going to be so quickly to kill somebody if they have the camera. Because then they know that they're going to be looked upon. Everything that they're doing is yeah. going to be watched and scrutinized. I would hate to have a camera on me all day. Well, yeah, we, well, you do have a camera on you all day. The satellites watch you all the time. What are you talking about? There's a camera on you all the time. You can't walk anywhere, anywhere, and not have. There's cameras on the streets. There's cameras in buildings. Wherever you go, you go in the bank. You go in the library. I also don't know that that's going to be true because dashboard cameras have been a thing for a while, and we've seen people beaten by officers on the street. We've seen somebody <laughs> running from the police and was shot and killed. Right. Exactly, and it, but no, but I think as a point that might happen not as much if they're on no, I don't believe that. I, I, no, I think you know how you bad know it is. They're watching you. That camera I think not. I think cops are going to do. Well, they're, they're not watching do. you. They're watching what you see. Mm-hmm. They're not actually watching you. Like the camera's not on you; it's facing out. So if I have the camera on, I'm watching you. It's not watching me. But don't all the police officers that are there have the cameras on? If you only respond with one other person, that person is helping you police. They're not watching you. You have a good good point, Marquise, but one thing it does do is like what it did here, which is when the police say a citizen did A, B, and C, if the citizen didn't do A, B, and C, they'll only be evidence Yeah, absolutely. So does this mean that this um, citizen is going to be suing the city of New Haven? He didn't even file a Yeah, he didn't file a complaint. This came in turn. He has a long record. Um, I don't know if that matters because someone's going to get to him now and say, you got yourself a lawsuit, pal. I hope so. <laughs> Why not? Well, you know, I wonder if that will increase the, the city's liability, money. though. Will there yeah. be more lawsuits out of the Why footage? Because you know so. what? Because, you know, Sometimes, there's, there's nothing that will change legislation that, that but money. Economic. And schools can't, I mean, no, schools. And yet, municipalities can't afford to pay yet, these things. We just paid $9.5 million because yep. of the unlawful arrest for Detective yep. Sirachi. And after that, they're still standing by this guy, Conklin, who is a walking time bob and lawsuit ready to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, see how, see how many. It's not their let's money. Let's see how, how deep their pockets go. It's oh, not their money. They, they don't care. Oh, yeah, it's our money. There's a limit to everything. There is a limit. Well, there's no limit to Pundit Friday because we go <laughs> everywhere. As on WNHH, you're on for Community Radio, 103.5 FM, live streamed at New Haven Independent Org. We're going through the headlines, not just of the week, but of the year. Hey, folks, what were your favorite stories in, 19, in 2017? <laughs> 19 what? <laughs> 2017, and how are they going to play out in 2018? Any thoughts? Uh, I don't, what did I say last night? I was at the party last night. I said something. I don't remember what I said. Well, what you love the smack, the, the duel. Oh, the, the board of that. Oh, after, after a whole year of fighting about everything, like who sits where and what chair, the board of Ed at the end of the year had their biggest brawl over who was going to be the new superintendent. Twenty paces at dawn. And when the going fields of, of, of all places trials the other duel as, a, as this packed auditorium of angry people are breaking up and the cops whisk everybody away. Oh, I think um, I think that would have been a good time for all the English departments to introduce Three Musketeers and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all those kinds of books around. <laughs> you know, the, the the best part of that story that I really enjoyed was, who I, I believe it was Paul, but whomever was taking the pictures of that, now that's chris peak probably chris yeah. you are my hero and you know he's because, so seamless right because yeah. he's like six eight or something and the reason why and he I, just gets in there i think the best the best shot i saw of the you know there are different angles of this whole event of this brawl that was taking place i know cowering the, this call out to dude <laughs> and i think the best part was to look over at the mayor's 
face like i told y'all they crazy <laughs> so she says so some people say why didn't she stand up and stop them like she's their mother is she, mother. Mother. Is she the mother i'm and, sorry and her officer came and said i gotta get you out of here but she was on flush there's one thing i love about tony harp she's not a drama queen no, no she's so she not. said what they want me to do jump in there and tell them to stop yelling at each other i didn't think they're gonna hit each other they didn't hit each other they were acting like and fools if they did and I why she should be in the middle she, and harry joe's always said what is the way you put it she her secret is that she doesn't get drawn into foolishness. You have a better way of saying yeah. it, right? Yeah. And she sees them act okay. foolish and <laughs> she lets them. That, like other people get in the middle, like I'm going to take control. This is what they could be arguing for. John Stefan always stood right there and said, you guys apologize to it right now. We're not going to run the system this way and you know, stop acting like kids. And in mm -hmm. fact, uh, he might have actually had something to do afterwards with them apologizing stuff. But Tony Harp's approach is... I'm not going to get drawn into kids acting like kids. Exactly. They, you don't have to get all should. excited every time there's some kind of drama that and doesn't really should. matter. I'm running the city, and she does run the city. I don't know what people thought she should do, put on boxing gloves. <laughs> she should have took off her purse strap and started. <laughs> she, she took boxing gloves. Those guys would not have been standing. That's all I'm going to say. So looking ahead to 2018. Say, don't you move. Hit him with that eye, that mama eye. Come on, y'all know that mama eye. We had a new elected board of, of education that had a majority against the mayor. The mayor used to control the board of education, mm -hmm. and as a result, they were fighting all year because this division on policy and who gets to go where. And they got rid of the old school superintendent, and it was just fighting over nonsense all year. But now, early in 2018, not the first meeting, but early in, the mayor is going to have a supermajority. The mayor now has a majority. That's why they got the higher supertension she wanted. And now it's going to be a supermajority. There's only going to be one person left, although you never know with some people how they might switch sides if they don't get well, friends, contacts, contacts, friends. But Ed Joyner is going to be the remaining dissenter. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch Ed Joyner. One person who's very savvy said to me, Ed Joyner has the most education experience on that board. Now, you're going to have someone in there, too, named Tamika McCarthy. Yeah, but you would never know it. Do you well, know that? So you can't tell. I'm going to tell you a story about you that. You can't tell that. That's the point. I'm going to tell you a story about that. Now, they have one other person coming on who has deep knowledge, especially about social emotional issues in schools. That's Tamika McCarthy. You're going to have two people there who really have a lot of background and knowledge about the way things work. But Ed Joyner is 70 years old, her whole lifetime doing education policy nationally, locally. So there were times when we weren't looking where he was in the room and was one who knew how things work, so people kind of looked to him. So Daisy Gonzalez, the former president, became on his side. The late Daisy at, Gonzalez. because yes, she looked to him about what do we do now. And that person's always the most important where you've been on these boards. Mm -hmm. when, when no one's watching, the person who really knows how things work and you go from the, where you get from point A and B yeah. and how do you make this decision, like George Perez was always the one telling all the committee chairs, now you do this, now you do that, right? Like, and then looked to him. So someone was saying to me, so Ed Joyner got caught up in a lot of stuff he's embarrassed about now, like this fight about the duel where he didn't <laughs> act in a very mature way. Mm -hmm. But other times he really has a lot to say about schools. The guy was very involved in the Comer model of conflict resolution around the whole country. And someone said to me the other day, you know, if Ed Joyner's smart, even though it's one versus six, if he just is the smart guy, doesn't get any more fights, no more calling attention to himself, by the end of the year, he's going to turn people or turn issues because he knows what he's talking about. But he will have to resist the need to want to be the guy in the spotlight and the important guy and getting in person. He can't feelings. do it. So that's I put money on that. You know that's very interesting. He can't do it. If I could can't just, do it. We, we no, need him because you need a dissenter no, no. Yeah, who's but, smart. But look at this. You know, remember when we'll, he well, they did the debate over at uh, the church on Dixville? Uh, Varick. Varick. Wow. The campaign debate. Yeah. Exactly the campaign debate. And Ed Joyner got up and, you know, he spoke and took questions. And I remember at the end of that, and I came into the pundit show after, and I said, man, this guy got great ideas. This guy have great view on the, you know, on the Board of Ed and what should be done. The guy knows his stuff. He really knows his stuff. And he has some great ideas. And I said it that, that following Friday, if only he could work on implementing that stuff opposed to all this diversity. I think it could be really and he helpful said, for the for the. Uh, he himself said he was very embarrassed of how he behaved in that dual challenge. He said, "I let my don't be embarrassed, man. That was get, real." But he said, "Like <laughs> he said, I I don't want to undo seventy years of done a lot with my life." And I think the two things we need him for in twenty eighteen: every board needs a smart person who raises questions and doesn't always go along, whether he's <laughs> right or wrong, as long as yes. you do it civilly, respectfully, constructively. Secondly, he can also move stuff when people are going to be in a room needing to listen to someone else. Mm -hmm. talking Correct. About. And it's going to be great having Tamika He can't McGarth do it. There. But it's going to be great having Tamika McGarth in the room. He can't do it. It's going to be great I having some right. people in the room who know what they're doing. Babs, when I heard this man spoke, I was literally like... I've known him for I, a long time. No, imagine if I... 
Now take off. I gold. respect the guy. He take, 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 this, take I'm not saying this background. because I don't respect him. Right. I'm saying it because he's, no, no, because he you. like a lot of folks got an ego that yeah. will not allow him to sort of okay, back channel his right agenda. Well, I, I was okay, more can I go on record? I, I want to see how that, <laughs> that's what I, I like the 20 paces of doing it, boy. Yeah, that's personally. what I was saying. But anyway, let, 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 let me go out on a, I'm going on record right now. And Ed Jordan, please don't fail me. If I'm going on record that I'm having hope right now that he's going to at least be able to carry it through. But an, let me tell you why. I'm going keep on hope his alive. Side. <laughs> no, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive, Jesse. I'm going on your side, Ed Jordan. Keep hope alive. Listen, no, I'm the on, moment that I'm he gonna, spoke. The moment that he begins speaking about the mayor in a disrespectful way, of course, I and that's going it. to continue. I lost number him, one, right. he lost number me two, with this whole fighting with Darnell Golson and this whole thing—that's number. That's number two for me. Okay. Number three, number three, running around town and still yapping, 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 oh, he's still yapping. yapping. He's still yapping. And you know what? He he's could be revered yapping. and respected. Yeah. Shut up. He's still yapping. Well, I think the history of the duel is an important thing to educate. <laughs> Kids on. So that's what I say, Harry. That's a teachable yeah. moment. So another, you know, another I, teachable moment was I want to were... go out on this guy's side, but something tells me now. That's because that's me. patriarchal stuff is strong. I what do you mean? A, come on, stop. Not even hey, another, know, another teachable that, but... moment this year was people petitioning to get on the ballot to run for office. It was an election year municipally. <laughs> so there's a guy running for probate judge of all offices. Who hires a firm that massively breaks the law to get him on the ballot? Oh God! Filling page after page oh, of names and petitions of people who don't even live here, all yep. the same handwriting, <laughs> so that and what's going to happen next year is that's being because I want to lose by the state elections enforcement commission. That'll be fun. Whoa. And then an inside how politics works. So this guy named Mark Packer was running this hopeless campaign for mayor. Oh, I forgot all about Mark. And he had this woman who was working for him who wanted to get paid, and she he didn't pay. Oh for right! And she admitted, and we confirmed it, yeah. that she had people's names signed who weren't actually signing the petitions. So they, he also got in the ballot through fraud, and and that's pretty good. And then she admitted, though. <laughs> but then she went to the Harp campaign, who was Pukaka was running against Harp, and said, "Well, I'll come over to you and and, and admit he. Did, I'll publicly state he did all these things if you pay me." Mm-hmm. They said, "Well, we can't pay you," but they take her statement, and then she Thank gets a paid job, job at the campaign. So that was, and he said, and she had the famous quotes. He told Pack, "If you don't pay me all the money I want, I'm going to blank you in the blank with no gra- with no grease," <laughs> which I thought was the quote. <laughs> blank you in the blank. People were mad at you over that quote too. It's like, do you have to be so graphic? You don't but, have to tell everybody. He's like, I ain't making up. She said it. That <laughs> also reveals what really the way politics really works in New Haven. Yeah. Uh, uh, wow. Just New Haven and you, Chicago, yeah, and Ch- Ch- Bridgeport. So another thing that was this year is that it, even though 2018 is the year we have candidates for governor, you know, and everyone's going to be coming. To Kirsten, do we have candidates for governor? Oh, yeah, there's a bunch. There are so yeah. many. I think there's over 30 Republicans, or at least 20-something Republicans trying to get it because they all think they're going to win next year. This week, there was a guy named Oz Griebel. He used to be Republican. He's running as a as like a Wiker A Wiker 2.0? <laughs> as an independent with a Democrat who's from Sandy Hook, who's a gun control guy. And you do have a bunch of Democrats, just not the first string Democrats, who are also kind of interesting. They're all coming to kiss Norma Rodriguez Reyes's ring because she's the head of the Hispanic. <laughs> so they come in here for interviews. But they I hope you smack right. them with your ring. Well, Go away. So, uh, so this year, <laughs> in a budget battle in Hartford, it became clear that Connecticut has turned purple. We're a blue state in whom we elect to Congress, all of them Democrats, all of them liberal. But now um, the state Senate is split evenly. And the state house, even though it was close, it got closer. They actually voted Republican for the budget. Enough mm-hmm. suburban mm-hmm. racist uh, Repu- Democrats Ouch. crossed <laughs> over and voted with the Republicans um, on a number of issues, so that actually you had to negotiate. We had bipartisan deals, which weren't necessarily bad. What do you think is going to happen next year? Do you think Connecticut's going to turn red? Do you think that that governor's office and the legislature is going to go Republican? Do you think it's too early to tell? Do you think there's going to be a backlash because of Trump, anti-Trump voters in the state who will use this election as a way to send a message? And whom do you see emerging as the candidates among this huge pack? I wish I wish we could get a candidate that we could embrace. I don't know who that would be. I mean, on side, like the Dem- <laughs> on the Dems, on the on Dems. The I mean, there's no everybody on the Republican side is lackluster, and they have been for quite some time. So I don't. So could, many are running for Fairfield County, but they're so they're lackluster. Like hedge fund I feel like ball. Bernie Sanders, like folks used to be, just like Why, Kevin Limbo, come combi- back, <laughs> please, Kevin Limbo, come back. I think it's going to be a combination, Paul. Uh, one, uh, it's going to be uh, backlash from the Trump uh, administration, and but two, most important, which I I notice a lot of people are not paying attention to, but here in Connecticut, we have a strong Puerto Rican. 
community. And the Puerto Rican community is currently organizing just based on what happened on this tax plan, how it's going to affect uh, I wish they would how organize it's a, a Puerto Rico. For oh, no. uh, what do you think, Norma? Let's hear from Norma. Speaking well, we've Puerto been Rico. working. The Connecticut Hispanic Democratic Caucus, our goal is to, in 2018 mm-hmm. to get a Hispanic constitutional officer. Okay. Because um, in 1963, mm-hmm. okay, the Democrats saw the importance of making sure that an African-American got elected mm-hmm. on the state ticket. Mm-hmm. And that's when Hank Parker became treasurer for the state of Connecticut. Charles Lamb. Not 63. Lamb. He was 83. Yeah. Yeah. Lamb, Lamb was the first one. Parker was in the 80s. Yeah. Okay, so Charles Lamb was Charles Lamb was the first black. Yeah. What year was it? Uh, no, it wasn't Charlie, 63. No, it was, it, was latest, it was the latest 60s, if I recall. I, I think it was the 70s. You're right. It was under El Grasso. Yeah. So since and the then, 70s, yeah, we've had an African-American on the state ticket. Okay? So now, in 2000, it came out that the Hispanics are the largest minority group in the state of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But that being said, even though the Hispanics are the largest minority group, they are not the largest voting group. Right. Because many of the Hispanics... Mm-hmm are not citizens of the United States, Mm -hmm. and And it takes them a while. Mm -hmm. So we still have, in terms of the minority, the African-American voter is the largest. Mm -hmm. And, but, I think that the Hispanics, it's time already Mm -hmm. for, and the Republicans already have their Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be... to say they have their Hispanic? Do you like to get that kind of tokenism? Well, because you know what, at least they... See, I don't see it as tokenism. I see it as you need to create the position. You need to 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 um, slate. So if you don't slate it, the majority. There's no way the African Americans don't have the majority. The Latinos don't have the majority. So the whites, the Anglo's, have to see the importance of creating a position and bringing them in to show that they are indeed inclusive. I I, I would I would say the Anglo's have to be. Forced to sort of, yeah. forced into it. I don't think they do it. So, who is this heart. that you're going to see on the Republican ticket, and what office would you like to see the Democratic ticket, and whom would you like to see in it? Um, there, like our group has been in charge of trying to create a bench mm-hmm. of different Latinos that are qualified mm-hmm. to run for the constitutional officers. And mm-hmm. mind you, you know, you have to raise seventy five thousand dollars. And mm-hmm. you have to visit 169 towns mm-hmm. to talk to all of the town committees to get the endorsement mm-hmm. um, on, in the convention. Now, um, you know, we have several candidates that are interested in running for attorney general. Who? Um, we have um, the chairman from um, Norwalk. Okay. The, um, he's an the attorney. Demo- he's a Democratic chairman? Yes. Okay. The, the chairman of the Democratic Party in Norwalk. Mm-hmm. We also have Janet Lasko, and she's from um, Shelton. Okay. She's also an attorney. You know, so, thing- and not that they're running already, but they are entertaining yeah, the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, Juan Candelaria mm-hmm. is I a person say, that they have are? definitely looked into. Juan is hung out a long time. Right. And right. Juan Candelaria, you know, he has a lot of state presence all over mm-hmm. the state he's because. Yes, charming. Well. Yeah, he's a good dancer. He's very charismatic. What's the, what's the he raised for a lot of money what's for this whole Puerto Rican um, issue right now. So, see, Norma, what would be the office for him? He can't I be think, Attorney General. Secretary well, for Candelaria? Yeah. Well, see, he, he, um, Lieutenant to, Governor? Well, I think. I, like that. I think Lieutenant uh, Governor. I think. Um, to me, you see, the, like, the treasurer's position. I don't think you we need, need to get into a fight with an African American, the African American community. But they're gonna. Um, they, they, that seat has always been a fight since Hank Parker made it, made that seat real. Because when Gerald Lamb had that chair, it was no more than a ceremonial position. Just like before uh, Saxon Perry became mayor of Hartford, that was just a ceremonial position. Yeah, Parker did make it into an absolutely. Hey, and, yeah. and, and, and Denise did a good job all those years. Oh, absolutely, you? when she took over, but. There was never a fight for it. It was one yeah. of those situations. So let me ask you, and that. then they have Bermudez. Um, uh, she she is now the treasurer for State Central. Uh, oh, okay. That I heard also that she's entertaining the conversation of running for secretary so you're of the ho- state. You're hoping to see. And what about on the Republican side? Who is the Hispanic? Um, the the senator, um, Senator Limeres, Lin- Linares. Was he running for? I don't know. 
Okay, it's okay. So you know, Logan might run as a. So the African. Oh, Logan, Logan Logan's just got a future. And, right, and then we have future. somebody from Bridgeport. One of the guys from Bridgeport, the state representatives from Bridgeport, is also entertaining the conversation. So now, folks, there's an African American who seems to be everyone's first choice to be somewhere on the ticket, and that's Tony Harp, the mayor of New Haven. She's playing coy. She's obviously enjoying the attention of. Of you know she's not running for governor, so that means she doesn't playing play coy. Her. Like, but do we say that about men? Do definitely, we do we say men play coy? Definitely. I never heard that. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's maybe right. Men are just quiet. Wow. Okay. <laughs> casually <laughs> considering. Yeah. <laughs> casually considering. Tony Harp, right. Tony Harp wow. is enjoying herself, smiling while saying. Not answering the question of what she'll run for because she says, <laughs> "Okay, Mayor Harp, you have to be more stern with these considerations. <laughs> no, no more smiling. No, no more no, smiling. Stop it, no, man. Playing, I don't think that's, that's like street right. harassment. No, Why no, no, won't no. you smile, girl? She's playing it right. She's playing it right. She's not saying I'm not going to run because then if she takes a position, people say you said you weren't going to run. She's not saying I am. I'm just thoughtful run. about the language that they use for women okay. versus men. Uh, point well taken. And then black women, the language is decidedly different. Okay. So point well taken. Thank you. Tony Harp is. I don't think Paul is, Bass and hold on. That's Attorney fair. Attorney is on fair. the phone right They're now. Fair saying so. I don't think uh, Paul Bass is necessarily trying to use a derogatory. I never said derogatory. Okay, well, but, it, but he yeah, listen, listen. There She's is saying one. it's gender terminology. Yes, and, and that's ingrained in people. But people I are ingrained. Porn. It doesn't listen. make them bad people just because they do it. Listen, that means they just do it. When I walk into a room full of women, I'll say sometimes, "Hey guys." Yeah. That's and, a room full of women. But, but, but that 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 lexicon is so much a part of who we are. But so I'm what, just saying we have to be mindful of language. Anyway, points about taking okay, about the language. Can we also talk about what's going to happen? Okay. So Tony Harp, <laughs> I think, is doing exactly what's the intelligent thing to do. She's not ruling it out so that she can't be later told, you said you weren't going to run. She's not saying I'm definitely going to run because I don't think she's decided she's going to run. She said I'm focused on being but mayor. Make a great but it's man. very I'm good for New up. Haven I that everyone that. running for governor wants her to be the running mate because they want to play to New Haven. Mm-hmm. Do you think, and her best comment of the year was, people said, would you take like all our callers? And I say, well, Joe Gannam said he'd like you to be his running mate, which I think because of death run for the guy who is going to get creamed if he runs. But anyway, says, uh, would you run as his running mate? She goes, how come no one asked me if he would be my running mate? True. But in any case. Which speaks to that bada gender bing, thing you just did. Yeah. But, in any case, <laughs> but in any case, do you think she'll do it? Do you think she'll go on? Because the, th- the thing is, there's no other candidate who has more experience in the state Senate. Lieutenant right. Governor. If I were her, I would do it. I swear to God, I would do it. Well, now, let it's me hard, put it as John Stefano discovered, it's very hard to run the city when you're running to 169 cities now. You know what? If she had a tighter team, if she, she had a tighter I know, see, that's the problem. If she had a tighter team in her city, she could go and do this stuff Which if they the had Stephano her back. Had, but she needs people who has her back. A, a tight team? I think he did have a tight team. He I think did. we're. He did have a tight team because I. Listen, because I was in the room. I was at the convention when all that went down and Malloy and that whole thing. And up, and it was up to the minute. Like, it was up to the minute that uh, Johnny well, Stephano did had not. had the numbers. They switched. Yeah, they right. switched. They switched. But in any case, do you think then <clears throat> that if Tony Harp runs for state office, the city will fall apart? No, I don't think it's Who's gonna... waiting in the wings, though? Well, Ty- if you win state office, then Taisha Walker becomes the mayor the next year. Which I think is fine. Yeah. But, but, but well, that's yeah, not a problem. So strong. <clears throat> it's just interesting. I don't think Taisha mm-hmm. likes the spotlight enough to want to be mayor like long term to finish out the term. I think she'd hate that. Well, sometimes those people are good. 1917, the only Jewish mayor in the history of New Haven was a guy named, who did not like the spotlight, Samuel Kampner. And he was a, a lawyer, had a little practice. He was president of the Board of Alders. He was a low profile. 100 years ago? Yeah, 100 years ago. Wow. <laughs> and the mayor died in office and he served the last year and he didn't run again. And he allegedly ran the city really well with no drama and smart. You know that was pre-internet, right? (laughs) Pre-body cameras. Pre a lot of African American and Latinos. In in 1917, a lot of people are stepping down to run important institutions. Uh, Dorsey Dendrick stepped down. Paul Brody stepped out Gateway. I think in 2018, look for him because they're going to be consolidating all the state community colleges. And I think he's done such a good job consolidating Bridgeport New Haven. They're going to move him up, in my opinion. And um, we have Jack Keyes leaving probate judge. We got Clifton Graves coming in. I believe there's a big change happening in New Haven after decades of leadership. A lot of change happening. I think we have a very good group. I read about it in the Independent next week of millennials who are ready to take charge. I think we're going to have a a long awaited, long overdue, gradual shift, generational shift in power. And I think it's going to be good for the city. I think it's, I think it's time. Ste- yeah, and you know who else is stepping down from the head? Oh. Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you don't know about this? 
Oh, yeah, his board was like, you yeah. got to get out because you are you John messing pizza. with the dollars with That's your right. racist foolishness. <laughs> and also because Papa John's pizza is terrible. <laughs> well, poor, poor black it's people awful. buy that pizza. It was awful before I decided that pizza in New Haven was better than pizza anywhere, but it's awful. It's It's been bad. And by the way, other big city of the year is Immigrant Rights Sanctuary Church. Mm -hmm. New Haven's been a national right. leader. Three people did not get thrown out of the country when they were supposed to leave because Sanctuary Churches sheltered them. I'm just concerned mm -hmm. that... uh. That uh, the heat is going to come in ways that we are not going to be able to see. Yeah. It's going to come, and it's going to yeah. come hard because they're going to want to make an example. I know it because this is a petty administration. So my favorite story of 2017, what was new, was Harry Dross taking over WNHH and taking it to such great new heights and Babs Rolls Ivy becoming <laughs> the five-day-a-week host who is so talented and such a great voice for New Haven, joining Joe Ugly in our daily lineup. I do think great things happened at WNHH this year. Greater things are going to happen next year. And what I love most of all is Fridays. Yeah. I'm here doing Pundit Friday with Babs Rolls Ivy, Marquisha Ricks, Joe Ugly, Norma Rodriguez, and Harry Jaros. Thank you, folks, for a great year, a great show today, and a great 2018 coming up. Thank Merry Christmas and a happy, it. happy new year to yes. everyone. You know, Paul. Feliz Navidad. I must say. <laughs> Thank you very much for the opportunity opening up uh, Connecting Ugly Radio back here and bringing me Best on connection. to do this, man. Yeah. Thanks for bringing us into your world. Absolute, this has been my absolute man. pleasure. I've enjoyed this. Absolutely. Keep your eyes on Harry and Babs and Joe next year. Because they're going <laughs> places. I think Joe, and, ba Joe and, and Harry go national. I think Babs is the voice in New Haven. And thanks, everyone, for joining us all year as well as today on Pundit Friday. This is the last episode of the year. And we're going to take, I hope you have a great New Year's, everybody, and a great week leading up to it. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing our Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the CD of Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass reminding us all that we do know what it feels like to be free. We just got to book our flight. Now fly free with us and book your flight all year long and all next year mm -hmm. on WNHH, your home for community radio. Mm -hmm.